Warning, this podcast contains adult content, including frank discussions of sex and lots and lots of swear words. Enjoy! They just stood there, their eyes glued to each other in a trance. Then, in a bold move, Simon leaned forward and covered Mateo's mouth with his... He wrapped his arms around Mateo's body and backed him against the wall. They kissed, their tongues rolling over each other, panting, groaning, their eyes closed tight, tugging at each other's clothes. Yes. Keep reading. But that's the end of the chapter. Oh, well, then I guess you have to stop. Yeah, sorry. It's all my fault. Well, hello. Hi. (laughs) This is FMK Lit. I'm Neil. And I'm Claire. And here we are. Here we are. This is the podcast where we read two romance novels. One straight one and one queer one. And then we play Fuck, Mary Kill with the characters. That is correct. And the books. And the books. Yeah. Spoilers. All the spoilers. So many spoilers. You know, I wouldn't even count them as spoilers. I would count them as uh, telling you everything that happened. Just tell it. We're going to tell, tell you the everything end. Everything that happened. Yeah. <laughs> so if you are looking for reviews that don't tell you the end of the books, uh, turn around. Turn around. Run Go away. Read, read the book. Come back. Hopefully you feel the same way about them that we do. Or you feel differently and you want to tell us about it. And then you can tweet at us. Yeah. Yeah. So Claire. Yes. What's got you hot and bothered today? Um, you know what? I This question came into my mind and I couldn't get it out of my head. And it made me think, like, maybe I'm reading these books wrong even mm-hmm. sometimes. Do I actually know what romance is? And what oh. is romantic? And I thought about this, and this is dumb, because <laughs> like I thought about, you know, when somebody gives you their bedroom eyes, mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, like... She's doing a thing with her face, listeners. Like, I honestly, I, I can't make the face. It's just, it's just like, it feels really fake. Right. Like, it's, I think like it's... I've put on, like, my sexy self for you. Mm. When I feel like bedroom eyes happens best, like, right after you have sex... Oh. And, like, it's all natural, like, that mm-hmm. sleepy, exhausted, I still am turned on look. Uh-huh. You know, like, well, you know, it's, like, that good part of sex right in the middle. Like, when you decided to switch positions or mm-hmm. something, like, you're mm-hmm. still getting off and you're yeah, really yeah, excited yeah. that it's, you know, it's going on for longer. Like, more <laughs> things are about to happen. Like, the look on people's faces then is so sexy. Mm-hmm. There's, like, a mixture of excitement and and, like, nervousness, but also, like, really into it, you know? Like, oh, my God, we're doing this next! Like, or, like, or even that thing, like, where they're, like, you know, they, they whisper something in your ear, like, turn over. You know, and you're oh. like, oh, I'm gonna do a new thing now! This person is taking charge! Or, like, when you look at them and say the same thing, like, mm-hmm. you know, like, I want to grab your dick, and the look on their face is like, I cannot wait for that to happen. <laughs> oh. I love that face. Mm-hmm. So sometimes the faces leading up to sex, where it's like, do you think I'm sexy? That face, I'm like, oh, what is this? What is right. happening right now? Or for some people, it's the I know you want me face. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I started, but so then there's also like like dirty talk, mm-hmm. previous and to sex, and all like I, I don't find particularly sexy, and I'm like, what is romantic? What is sexy? Am I wrong? <laughs> like, do people just go through the world saying these 
sexy erotic things to each other yeah and i don't <laughs> is that me what is wrong with me what well, is wrong with me neil well you landed yourself a husband so what the fuck do you care oh that's true yeah we don't have to do a lot of the whole like, dance beforehand. <laughs> mostly we do turn to each other and go what now <laughs> and then it just sort of happens Every once in a while, that's, there's... That's romantic. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, some of the most romantic things are like, I made you coffee. Oh. <laughs> or like, um, you look really pretty in that dress. You know? It's like, yeah. oh, thanks. And it's just real honest. Yeah. Like, nothing's like, happening right now. Oh, you're sick. I brought you soup. Yeah. Oh. Things like that. Yeah. But like, with things that have no expectation of the after. Yeah. Just like, here's this honest thing right now. Mm-hmm. Here's. Uh, so then I thought, like, well, maybe. Because, like you said, I'm married now. Yeah. So my perspective is different. So then yeah. I thought maybe I should think about strangers when I see strangers that are sexy. But, like, with the sexy things that they do. Mm-hmm. Um, and even then, I was kind of thinking, like, <laughs> well, I really liked it when this one guy turned around to me and said. I have to get out of line to go get more peas. You can go ahead and take my spot. I was like, that guy's hot. Like, he didn't turn around to me and say, you look really pretty. There was one guy, like, I was at an event, and I was really dressed up. And this guy had been kind of looking at me all night. And he was cute and was fine. And he comes up to me and he says, I just want you to know, you look very pretty in your dress. But this, as he was leaving, there was no expectation of what was going to happen yeah, next. Yeah, yeah, He was exiting the building. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nothing was going to happen. And I was like, but it also wasn't like the mean way that some people do it or that yeah. like presumptive, I, you know, for my own part, I have to give you a compliment. It was just like, hey. Or like, I know this will mean a lot because it's coming from me. But it was like in the same way ladies will do it to each other. Like, oh my God, you look right in that dress. Yeah. Just like, that's what it felt like. Like he was, oh, okay. he was attracted to me. That was not important. He wasn't. Nothing was going to happen. He was like, "Oh, you look great in your dress. Thanks, guy. <laughs> Thanks, pal. That's okay. very attractive and sexy that you did it just offhand like that." Yeah. I don't know, but again, like I feel like it was really struggling. Yeah. Well, I I think that all of it is very subjective, because if two different people could do or say the same thing to or at you and depending on how you feel that about that person would dictate whether that thing is romantic or not well what is romantic and sexy to you uh oh god i don't know <laughs> no one's done anything romantic for me in a very long time no. yeah so i don't know but i i for me i think because people are like oh what's your type and it's hard for me to answer that question because i think for me it's about like the whole person mm-hmm. or like like tattoos for instance i don't necessarily find tattoos sexy but there are certain men that i've seen with tattoos i'm like oh my god those tattoos are so sexy but if they were on someone else or like you know or if it's like somebody who doesn't have to it's like oh he's super sexy and he'd look weird with tattoos and it wouldn't be attractive like i don't know yeah my my mood changes with the wind i don't know no and it's a mystery so sometimes i feel like i'm reading these books it's like, all brain chemistry. Yeah, but to, like, feel that, like, butterfly stomach feeling. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it works. And, like, there's a, a particular passage that feels really good. 
and feels romantic and unto itself and it feels mm-hmm. and like I get that butterfly sort of effect but it's really rare yeah and I wonder like because the first time I did read some of these books like it wasn't just the sexy parts but it really was that butterfly feel and mm-hmm. I wonder if I kept reading these books because I was looking for more of that yeah like I was wanting to find the next book that also gave me that mm-hmm. okay I mean, because I don't find that too much in regular fiction that I read, or like that romantic butterfly you feel. Yeah. Like I feel sad, or I feel happy, mm-hmm. or it's mm-hmm. funny, or whatever. But it's that mushy, googly feeling. Yeah. That. Oh. As opposed to the, the butterflies. Okay. Yeah. I have no answers for you. I'm sorry. No, I, I, I don't think there are answers. You, you, you know my love life. You know I'm absolutely useless in this department. <laughs> Uh, well, what about you? What's um, you hot and bothered? What's got me hot and bothered? So there is this um, annual anthology of gay speculative fiction short stories uh, called Wild Stories that I've been reading every year for several years now. Um, and for those that don't know, speculative fiction is there was a point in time when people who got to decide what was a literature with a capital L read good sci-fi and fantasy. And they're like, oh, this is good, but we can't say that we like it because it's sci-fi and fantasy. So it's speculative fiction. Mm. That sounds prestigious and like it has weight. So here we are. So these are uh, anthologies of gay speculative fiction short stories. Um, And again, it's called Wild Stories. And I recently ordered the one for this year for 2018 and i'm like yay exciting and then i read a note that this is the last year (gasps) no it's been going on since um i want to say for the past like 10 10 definitely 10 years maybe longer and i had no idea so i was reading that this is the last year and now i'm a little sad about that so but the um this year's anthology is on its way so hopefully it's but, uh, you know, it's usually kind of a mixed bag. Like, some stories oh, are great and some are, like, fine. Are yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I was sad to hear that. Yeah, that's too bad. Well, I yeah. hope something else comes in to take its place. Yeah, I, I'm sure there is. Um, this is just something I happened to see it at a bookstore uh, a few years ago. Um, and you can still get the... This year's... Um, edition was really hard to track down hmm. for some reason. But you can still find... Um, previous years on Amazon and at indie bookstores and everything, so. Cool. Yeah. Okay, well. That's what I got. Sad. Yeah. Bothered. Bothered. Well, shall we get to these books then? Let's get to these books! Okay. Okay, you chose the books. I did choose the books. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um. (laughs) Oh, also, I have to say, episode 13, we obviously should have done Ghost this episode, and it's my fault. (laughs) So I I apologize for that. Well, I also could have picked something that was unlucky or, or witchcrafty spoopy. or spoopy or something. Yeah. Um, something about stepping on cracks or walking under. <laughs> stepping on cracks. <laughs> the lady who walked under a ladder and the sexy man she met on the other side. I don't really know. Unlucky. You didn't know how that sentence was going to end when you started it, did you? I rarely know how many sentences <laughs> are going to end when I start them. It's just all luck. It's, but this is the 13th episode, Ooh, so it's all bad luck today. 
yeah, or, yeah. Or, or good luck. We'll see. You... We'll see what happens. Who knows? But yeah, so I picked the books, and I uh-huh. picked Love the One You're With by Emily Giffen, and mm-hmm. The Flowers Need Watering by Marcus Lopez. Uh-huh. And he... And both these books are about romance, sort of crushes outside of marriage. <gasps> uh, both of them also are about, like, sort of the one that got away crush. Yes. So you're married, yeah. and there's the one that got away that comes back into your life. Yeah. So... That's these books. Um, and I do have to preface it with, like, I do feel like there's a lot of things in both of these books that make them count as romance novels. Mm-hmm. But they may veer more on the, and I hate this phrase, and I'm very sorry, but I also think it encapsulates the feeling, chiclet. Mm. Again, hate the phrase, and I'm yeah, very yeah, sorry yeah, yeah, I said yeah. it, but I think that also when I say it out loud, people know exactly what I mean. Right. So yeah. it's... Uh, more in-depth narrative. Usually there's more characters. The characters are are a little bit more, like, fleshed out. And there's more of an ensemble cast than there is right. with a lot of the romances we've read so far. Where it's just about those two Right, people. but it yeah. is still about love. And it is, it is. like relationships, the relationships and things like that. And sort of the, the gray area of you're in love with the person you're with, but you still have love for this person that you used to be with. Right. Kind of thing. Okay. Right. So, um, yeah. So I think let's start with love the one you're with. Great. By Emily Giffen. Um, and Emily Giffen is a huge writer. Oh yeah. She is super New York times bestseller. Movies Mm -hmm. have been made from some of her books. Mm -hmm. So this isn't, this is a known entity. Okay. Um, great. Great. Ellen and Andy's first year of marriage doesn't seem perfect. It is perfect. There's no question how deep their devotion is and how naturally they bring out the best in each other. But one fateful afternoon, Ellen runs into Leo for the first time in eight years. Leo, the one who brought out the worst in her. Leo, the one who left her heartbroken with no explanation. Leo, the one she could never quite forget. When his reappearance ignites a long dormant emotion, Ellen begins to question whether the life she's been living is the one she's meant to live. At once heartbreaking and funny, the love the one you're with is a tale of lost loves, found fortunes, and will resonate with anyone who's ever wondered, what if? Well, that's what the book says it's Mm -hmm. about. My God, that first sentence made me want to vomit. (laughs) Okay. But it doesn't just seem perfect, Neil. It, it is perfect. perfect. Which actually um, speaks to sort of a theme that runs through the novel, and, and we'll get into it, but the idea of... So, okay, so the main character is Ellen, um, who's from Pittsburgh? Yeah. Yeah, Pittsburgh. Because uh, she's a fan of Steelers? Yes. So she, her mother died when she was young, so she and her sister were raised by their father. So it was like a single parent home in Pittsburgh. Like, and they grew up like lower middle class. Right. And she, her roommate freshman year of college is this like debutante from the South and they become very good friends. And then Ellen ends up marrying the, her roommate's brother. And so she's exposed to like the Southern aristocracy as mm-hmm. it were. So th- there is a motif of like, Everything is perfect, like the, the the American dream of what your life should look like, and then like where she came from and what she wants, and so I'll it is it is thematic, so I'll give them that anyway. Okay, so Ellen 
and who's a photographer, mm-hmm. is married to Andy, a lawyer, and they live in New York. And apparently they... They, like, live in Manhattan. Yeah, they live in Manhattan. Well, that's because he comes from money. So much money! Yeah. Um, and they seem to have, like, kind of an amazing life. Oh, they, yeah. They, like... Have all these friends, they go to bars, they go to art galleries, they do all these things. It's exactly the type of Manhattan life you would want. Right. When you're married and have and have enough money to do more or less anything. And she's a great photographer. Right. She's a working photographer. Right. And she's not like high end. She does like, you know, some portraits. And mm-hmm. Like she doesn't do big, big magazine spreads or anything, but she's starting to get bigger. Right, right, right. She, she yeah, she's able to earn a living. Not that I think she really needs to worry about it because he comes from money and is also a lawyer so they're fine so the book starts with one rainy day she's crossing the street and she sees leo her ex um from eight years ago from eight years ago uh i think like just after college was when yeah they were together okay when she just finished college and they she they see each other in passing and don't even exchange words and then she like walks into the nearest diner and is kind of shaken up by the whole thing. And it's just like, oh my God, I haven't thought about him in so long and this and that and the other. And then he calls her and it's just like, hey, where are you? And she tells him and they meet up and just sort of chat. And it's like, it's innocent. It's perfectly innocent. Yeah. But we find out very quickly because the first like five chapters is I was sitting in the diner and then it's like, the rest of the chapter is one flashback. Like, the longest so flashback. So many ever. flashbacks. Well, I, think I would have to say that's, like, right up until, like, the flashbacks start catching up with the present. Right. So, like, something minute happens, and then we live in a flashback for a really long time. Something mm-hmm. small happens, and then we live in a flashback for a really long time. And that just, that was the, that was the majority of the book. Right. It was a little rough. Um, but we find out, so she was with this guy, Leo, and they were terrible for each other. And hot for each other. And hot for each other. Like, they That's, fucked like rabbits. It sounded like great sex, too. Right. But also, she became needy and kind of obsessed with him and, like, would would only do what he wanted to do, wouldn't do things he didn't want to do. Like, separated from her friends. Yeah. So it was, it was not a good relationship. Oh, and then it was like, I w- they were together for a few couple years a few years two years I think yeah and then she was like marriage and he's like I don't believe in marriage and, and she's just like peaced out but yeah and that led into a fight and then they they broke up and she was really upset yeah and it was like a, a type of breakup that was really out of nowhere in some right. ways and like really it, sudden she she tried to they sort of started a fight she was going to see if he would call her bluff and he did Mm-hmm. So then she's like, I guess we're breaking up now. So then they yeah. broke up. She just went back uh, to her own apartment. Yep, right. So she, at the time, was still living with her uh, freshman roommate, Margot, who's from Atlanta. Bestie friends. Bestie friends. So the way that she talks, Ellen talks about Margot, because this this book is entirely from Ellen's point of view. The way that she talks about Margot sometimes, I was like, this is going to turn into the talent of Mr. Ripley. <laughs> I wish it had too. Like she is obsessed with Margot. Oh, like well, and it's just very much Ellen. Like what we get the picture of Ellen throughout this whole book is she meets someone, she becomes obsessed with them, and just tries to be like them. Yes. So like 
there's Margot, and she's like, okay, I guess I'm into pastels now. Never <laughs> I'm happened. into beige and pastels. I guess I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna be like soups cool now, or yeah, like whatever yeah, yeah. like version of cool Margot is. Right. She moves to New York, and she's still roommates with Margot, but then right. she meets Leo, and so then she becomes like Leo. Right. Cynical and detached and but probably very, was black. But very passionate about things. Very passionate about things, although not doing her own personal art Right, as much. right, right. Yeah. Because she's giving so much into the relationship. Right. And Margot, after, we find out after they broke up, Margot was like, all of the photos you took while you were with Leo were dumb and pointless and not interesting. Yeah. Like, your art suffered because of that relationship. Right. Although, to be fair, like, I didn't, I never found a reason to trust Margot. So right at the beginning, at the beginning of the novel, like when they first meet, it's sort of like, oh, we can understand Ellen's um, feelings about Margot because she's just like very glamorous in an effortless kind of way. But I mean, like she's a white girl from the South who came from money. So she her view of the world is just like, oh, like, yes, I have to act a certain way, but then everything will happen for me. And Ellen has to spend her entire time in Margot's friendship, right up and through the end of the book, Mm -hmm. up until she makes her big decision. Yeah. Like, trying to keep up with Margot. Yeah. She goes into debt trying to keep up with her. Like, because Margot doesn't have a concept of money. Right. Like, one of, like, the most stressful parts of this book was when they decide to move to, in flashback, of course, they decide to move to Manhattan together, and Margot's like, oh, we have to get this great apartment because I cannot live in a shitty one. Right. And I know maybe you don't have money, and she kind of makes it sound like, I don't know what that is, but whatever it is, I know you think it's important, but my daddy's going to pay for this, so your rent will be lower. Right. And which is a good deal for Ellen, but like also it's not a good deal because right. the rent was still really high. It's, it's, yeah, it's this thing where Margot's like, oh, I have things that you don't and I'm happy to share. But, and then we find out that this is true, that it's like there, there are stipulations to it. And it's, it's an unspoken thing of like, well, then you have to do things my way. Right. Like when I call the debt in. You have, anyway, so Ellen ends up marrying Margot's brother, Andy, and they're perfect for each other. They're so much in love. They have this, like, hip lifestyle in in New York. Um, and then... Uh, but everything I know of Ellen makes me just feel like she's just molded herself to what Andy wants. Basically. And the whole time, this whole book, it's all because of her dead mom. Mm-hmm. Like her mom died when she was young, and now she basically blames all of her faults on her dead mom. Yeah, and it's basically like, oh, I don't know how to be an independent person because my mom died. I don't know how to like have trusting relationships with people because my mom died. I don't know how to have a romantic relationship because my mom died. And obviously, losing a parent is very awful, and not something that you ever like get over. But you also can't just be like, well, I can't make decisions in my life because my mom died. Well, it just feels it's like... so weird. It feels like lazy character making. Yeah. Like, uh, so this character has to have a broken thing about them. Mm-hmm. And I, the author, have decided that this broken thing is going to be that they're missing their big toe. And right. so now everything in their life stems from the missing of that big toe. Right. They stumble around, and so then 
uh, and then they feel insecure about things. They don't want to wear sandals, but they get a job at a sandal shop. Like, <laughs> everything around it. And like, it's, but we're built up of more than just those. Our missing toe. Like, and those are yeah. important. Yeah. If it had been just like, she as a person has trouble making decisions. Like she as a person is indecisive. I think that would have been fine. Well, and I think what it, the one character trait that I think that it actually gave her that, that, that the author leaned on the most and was good on, but shouldn't have given it for other reasons, was that because her mom died, um, her reaction to that, not her sister's, mm-hmm. her reaction to that was to always be constantly looking for family. Yes. Like... So she was very close with her mother, and that was an important relationship. And when she, when that was a void, she tried to fill it with other people. Right away. At first it was her sister, and she tried mm-hmm. to be just like her sister. And then she knew she had to get away from that, so she moved to a different college way far away. Mm-hmm. And she filled it with her new best with friend. With Margot. And, and then sort of f- being adopted by Margot's family. Yes, and like clung to that as a yeah. name. And I think that's an interesting like response to the trauma. Yeah. And I kind of wish that was explored more and it was i don't want to i want to give the author credit because it was and that the the big decision at the end of the book comes from that right but like every possible opportunity ellen's like this and this because of my dead mom all the it's things just like oh, oh i have God. stress on okay. flights because of my dead mom yeah and like and it was <sighs> anyway it's not all that anyway. it's anyway so um leo gets her this gig um He's a journalist, so he's writing an interview with some famous singer, and he is able to get her the gig doing the photography that goes with the article, and then is also going to be the cover photo for the magazine, because it's the cover story. So uh, he's like, come to L.A. They like go to L.A. to some diner to, to do it, and... Ellen is like, okay, I don't know quite how I feel about this, so I'm going to invite my sister, because I know that my sister is super into this musician. Her sister, Suzanne, who, like, this is... Uh, she's the best. I wanted she's the book the to best. be about her. I was like, this, Suzanne's the most wonderful, and she's also having a hard time in her relationship, mm-hmm. but also she's just kind of powering through it. Honestly, Suzanne for the win. Right? It's, I, it's becoming a theme for me that whenever the love interest has a sister, I like the sister so much better. So much. Uh, so Suzanne is like, she doesn't take shit from anyone, calls it like it is. And so when she realizes that the person who got them the who got Ellen the gig is Leo and she knew about Leo and she's like so do you still have feelings for him? I mean like it's fine but we need to like acknowledge that and make decisions because of it. Yeah and Ellen's like no whatever it's fine and Suzanne's like nah. He's hot. I remember him. I met him once. He's super hot. Like Suzanne and Leo flirt at one point. Oh god it was so good. It was anyway. But she didn't tell Andy that Leo's the one who got her the gig. Right. And Andy's still into this musician, too. So he's like, give me an autograph. So anyway, so she goes back, and then Andy's like, so I quit my job. I want to move to Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And I did appreciate that he was like, I want to move to Atlanta. How do you feel about that? Would you be okay with that? Because... In the meantime, Margot has gotten married and moved back. So right. Margot basically went to New York to find a husband. And she did. And then went back to New York. And they still call each other every day. They're besties. They're, it's weird, their relationship. Um, So, 
Andy asks her several times, and every single time is like, if you don't want to, that's okay. Tell me. Mm-hmm. But because she can't make decisions because of her dead mom, she's like, I don't know. I guess that's fine. Right. Well, also like, but because, then also like, I can't be in the same city as Leo. Right. Because she can't. She can't. She doesn't. Nobody told her before she got married that getting married is not a magical solve, and right. you forget that everybody else in the like that, that your crushes go away. It's because her mom died. People attractive. <laughs> yeah. No. But so. Because her mother is the only person who could have told her this. Well, yeah. Poor dead mom. She thinks she's broken somehow. Right. That she has this crush on this guy she used to have great sex with. Right. Girl, it's fine. Right. Acknowledge your feelings and move on with your life. So they moved to Atlanta. Oh, that was a mess. (laughs) Because here's the thing. Ellen didn't want to go to Atlanta. Ellen didn't want to go to Atlanta. She um, was like, okay, because her... Because Andy's father is a lawyer, and she knew that Andy would be working with her father, his father, and that they would have room to start a family, mm-hmm. and those are things that she wanted. And buy a house. And it, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it wasn't like, there's nothing about Atlanta that interests me, but she sort of like talked herself into it, even though she wasn't ready for that yet. So they show up, Margot is married and pregnant. Margot has just become pregnant, and then Margot is has become besties again with her best friend from high school and and I forget her name I don't know she's just like Margot she's like Margot too Margot too like Margot too but bitchier the right, right, back right 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 <laughs> <laughs> like she's the um the Gretchen Wieners to Margot's Regina George indeed yeah um and then Margot's friend has a dumb husband and they're all and Margot's husband is dumb. They're all dumb. Yeah, but so the thing is, but Ellen makes no attempt to try to find her own people. No. In Atlanta. Like, she doesn't, like, she knows she doesn't mingle well with these people. Mm-hmm. That Margot is her only friend here. But she doesn't, like, go to the cool art district. No. She doesn't, like, and she's like, oh, I guess I'll do family photography. As if there's shit all in Atlanta. Atlanta's a huge city. Yeah. And there are artistic photographers right? out there. It's also like, I mean, it was... Also, all, all the other art scenes that are happening there what, that would require a photographer. Like, yes. There's so much music there. Yeah, oh, yeah I know. I was like, like, oh, come on. And she's like, uh, I'm just in the middle of nowhere. Right. In one of the biggest metropolitan cities right. in the United because States. Because she's in the like rich suburb of. She's like, I don't understand. And then also... I it, bet they're using water like maniacs. Yep. Shut it down. I it becomes very apparent that this whole time Margot has basically been scheming that this would happen. Right. Like Margot's like, I've moved back to Atlanta. Now I just need to get Andy and Ellen back. And then uh Margot and Andy's mother, Stella, is one of those like bless her heart kind of moms. Mm-hmm. And has furnished their house for them. Yes. And it's like, oh, I bought you this table, I bought you these um Picture frames for your wedding photos. This ugly ass picture. And Ellen's like, I don't like them to herself, but she can't say anything. So basically, Margot and Stella are just like imposing what they think Ellen's life should be onto her and using that like, we're your adoptive family and we're doing it with a smile guilt Mm -hmm. so that Ellen just is like, Okay. Which means, like, two other things are happening at the same time. Suzanne mm-hmm. is calling and being like, I know you're not happy. What are you even doing? Right. All those people in Atlanta are the worst. And Suzanne has been suspicious of Margot from the beginning. Suzanne 
is suspicious of people who come from money. Yeah. So ever since the friendship, Suzanne's been like, she's, there's something we don't know about Margot. And then we find out that Margot is basically like a megalomaniac who wants to be the puppet master and like make her life and everyone around her's life perfect and what her conception of perfect is. But so, and all of this like unhappiness. Suzanne's the best. She is. But so all this like unhappiness just lets those ideas about what could have happened with Leo Mm -hmm. just like stick. Mm -hmm. And like, they just, like I think Ellen in, if she had allowed herself to stay in Manhattan, probably would have been able to like meet with Leo again and let it go. Yeah. She probably would have been able to figure out, oh, I don't know. She doesn't fine. let anything go. I know. But like, but she's, she just drowned herself in the worst possible situation. Yeah. There's no way she couldn't have thought about Leo in any way other than a positive light. Right. Because he was the cool journalist. He was in Manhattan where she wanted to be. He mm-hmm. was doing the cool things. So it wasn't even about Leo. It's just that like he was the personification of the life that she wasn't ready yes. to give up. Yeah. Right. So, but then he contacts her. And of course, there's this whole thing of like, I haven't heard from him. And then he texted me. And then we started texting. And then we started, it's this <laughs> like Every middle email. school shit. Every oh. email I send is drenched in shame. Yeah. And the shame God. turns me on. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so Leo reaches out to her and was like, hey, I'm doing this article about Coney Island. Do you want to come do the photos for it? And she's like, yes. And then Margot overhears the conversation with her that she has with Leo on the phone. So Margot realizes that she's working with Leo. And then Margot's like, you're going to ruin everything. Everything is perfect. I imagine it was like that made-for-TV movie about Martha Stewart. It's like, there's a fine line between perfection and insubordination. (laughs) Like, that's what I was picturing. That was like Margot's dragon yeah, moment, yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, and she's like, and if you don't tell Andy, I will. Basically being a nosy ass bitch. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, is that when she finds out that Leo came back? Um, like after they broke up or maybe, no, it was, I think she found out in LA or maybe, a, anyway. I, I don't remember. So after they broke up, there was one day that Leo showed up at her apartment and she wasn't there. And she was still not over him. She was still mourning the relationship. And he showed up to be like, I want to get back together. But Margot was like, she's over you. Go away. Never talk to her ever again. Mm -hmm. And then Ellen's just like, what the fuck? Like she had just started dating. Like she had gone on like two dates with Andy. Right. And then Margot, when Ellen calls her out on it, Margot's like, I didn't want to like ruin what you had with Andy and blah, blah, blah. And Ellen's like, that was my choice. I probably would have made the same choice, but like, that's my, I'm an adult. What's yeah. wrong with you? And it's like one of the times I was like, this is correct, Ellen. This is correct, correct, Ellen. Right. So she tells the night before she goes to New York, she tells Andy she's going to work with Leo. He freaks out and he walks out. Like in the middle of the night, he just drives away. Yeah, because also this whole time, and she did have a fair point that he would work and then just like go play golf with his friends and it was the thing where, like, the men would come home from golf and the women would be in the kitchen and, like, have to give them beer and both. Like, their and relationship changed. Changed dramatically. And he never checked in with her about anything. And, like, at night, they would just watch TV. Like, they stopped talking. She wasn't working and he didn't seem to care. Right. So all of this was valid, I feel. 
So she goes to New York and meets with Leo and they like are walking around Coney Island. His article is about how Coney Island is changing and people want to like develop it to make it more of a tourist attraction. And some people think it'll bring money into the neighborhood. Other people think it's like changing what's special about Coney Island. Right. And it's very much like this is like <coughs> metaphor for their relationship. Right. Like do a... we do we keep what was broken mm-hmm. or do we or do we move on to something yeah, yeah, better yeah. that's actually like Here's here's the poor middle class people, and do we stay with them mm-hmm. and the p- things that we know, yeah. or do we move on up? So Andy yeah. being the fixed up Coney yeah, Island, yeah, yeah. And, and it's a it's a cold, windy, rainy day. So she gets all these like moody shots, and they end up talking a lot. And I will say, and this surprised me because for most of the book, I'm like, get the fuck together, Ellen. I don't care. I don't care about any of this, but when she went back to New York and was with Leo and they were realizing, cause he, when they first met up again, he had a girlfriend. He ended up breaking up with her because he still had feelings for Ellen that they're like, yeah, we're different people now. And yeah, our relationship was shitty, but we've both grown as people and we both have been thinking about each other to the point that by the time they like finished walking around Coney Island, I was like, I kind of wanted to go for it. Like my, like I was suddenly invested, like mm-hmm. everything that I was like, it, I was, it was a complete 180. I was like, I'm interested in how this turns, this turns out. And it was done in a way that's like this, these feelings are complicated that she's having. And like, cause she does still love Andy and he represents certain, certain things that she wants in her life. But then Leo represents other things that she wants in her life. And like, and she's genuinely torn. Right. And, and, and I cared at that point. No, true. I was just like, oh, and the other wow. thing is too, I felt like part of me was like, yeah, maybe you should be with this guy. Yes. But then the other part of me was like, no, it doesn't matter who she's with. As long as she's the person making that decision. You're right. And, and that she was actually coming to that point, which was so good. And it mm-hmm. felt really nice. But what was also really good about it was that I was angry at Andy. Because yeah. he also wanted to take that choice away from her. Yes. Like, as if, like, she's not an adult who can't just go to New York and have a conversation with an ex. Right. Like, that's right. impossible. There was this recurring thing that she would, while she was figuring out that she still had feelings with Leo, she would check in with different people, like, can you be friends with an ex? And, like, everyone's answers were different. Um, we're mostly, like, if it was super serious, no. No. If it was not serious, he can be your gardener. He can be can your gardener. Him around. Oh, God. Ugh. Gross. Anyway, so, so for me, my experience was, okay, so they go back to his apartment, and she's like, is this happening? What's... Is this happening? And if it does, what's it going to be? And I'm just like, oh my God. Like, I was invested. I was like, ah. And then they kiss. And then she kind of feels bad. And then her phone rings. And then Suzanne's like, who, Suzanne, who like, this whole time was like, I'm with this jackass that it's not working out. I want to get married. I'm a certain age. Like, I'm kind of stuck with this guy. I don't think I can do any better, blah, blah, blah. But all of a sudden, Suzanne's like, no, stay with Andy because family is the most important thing in the world. So the whole, like, my sister's jaded against love was just an act. And I fucking hate that. I hate it. So Like, it's... It's trite at this point. I guess. And and not entirely true. I didn't really think of it that way. I like... Like, I thought Suzanne the whole time was like, you need to confront your feelings 
for Leo. Mm-hmm. Like, you need to do that. But she was genuinely just saying, like, you need to confront your feelings with Leo within yourself. Right. No, but, but you at the very put, end. But, she, but the, that phone call was like, but you shouldn't put yourself in a position where you're going to have sex with him. You need to make those decisions before that happens. No, to me, it sounded like the phone call was the phone. Yeah, the phone call was like, no, this is a mistake. Go back to Andy. It just be like I never this felt like she was saying go back to Andy. She I literally like, said that. I really feel like she was saying you need to finish with Andy before you figure out what's happening with Leo. Well, no, because she said like. He, like, they're a family, and you can be part of that family, and that's the most important thing. No, no, she was saying, That's what like, she said. She was saying, like, this isn't, you, you had made this commitment already. Mm-hmm. And that commitment was important to you, and then family is important. Mm-hmm. And if, and that's what made her think about is that, yes, family is important to her. That family was important to Ellen. It always has been. Right. Which is why she confronted Leo. Like, if she didn't have that phone call, she wouldn't have been able to ask Leo the right. hard question. Just for me, the, the specifically because of the timing of the phone call, it, I mean, it felt was, like it was the fairy little, godmother coming in. It and was. Being, it was know. a little deus ex machina. Right. And then it's like, oh, we kissed once. I'm terrible. Everything. Like, I've made a terrible choice. I just have to go back to Andy now. I'm just like, oh, fuck it off. Like genuinely didn't feel that way. That's either. how it felt to me. Like, all of a sudden, it's like, I was wrong for feeling these complicated feelings. And I, like... No, it was wrong of no, me to have I ever thought this. That That's what me. it felt like to me. When I was, I mean, I can understand those feelings. I validate them and I can see where you're coming from. So it from. made me kind of hate the end of the book. Like, I, I just was I so upset by no, it. No, I was really happy with the ending because it felt like she was in a situation where she wanted, she wanted to have sex with Leo. She wanted to play this out. And then when she got that call from her sister, like, she looks at Leo and is like, uh, you know, I still want like a commitment <laughs> right and i want like things like children and like that's mm-hmm. important to me and he's like oh no it's not important to me i don't care right. about that i haven't changed right and like she immediately is like oh i need to figure i don't want this right oh i can break up with you now because i know for real right. we want different right. things but for me the like it just felt like the closure she needed from the beginning. Right, but to me, the fact that the her feelings about the affair, which was bare, like it was kind of an emotional affair, it wasn't physical except for the one kiss. Like the fact that that part was so complicated and well written, and then it's like, oh, the whole time she just should have stayed with Andy. To me, was unsatisfying. I guess, uh, but the it seemed moralistic. But to the me. resolution wasn't. But the resolution wasn't that, like. She doesn't stay with Andy. She does. She she keeps the marriage going. Right. She splits yeah. her time. They both do, don't they? Uh, sort of. Anyway, I mean, so yeah, at the very end, it's really driven by her. She's, right, right, right. They split their time. She actually talks to her husband about what she wants instead of bottling it up. Which is, which is right. a hard thing to get to early in a marriage. And they have. But they've been together for so long. I'm, I'm telling you as somebody okay. who's been together with somebody for a long right. time. It's a hard thing to get to. All right. Um, so now they split. They have a house, the house in Atlanta and an apartment in New York. And they kind of but split really their time. But it's really her apartment. In right. New York. And like, I, I appreciated that. Like it, she works and lives in New York and she comes to Atlanta for the weekends. And sometimes he comes to New yeah. York. And I appreciate that it, that they worked something out that wasn't like, Oh, you dumb bitch. You just should have stayed with your husband in right. your perfect life. Because if that had been the ending, I would have thrown my Kindle against the agreed, wall. Agreed. Agreed. 
But it it was like, this is a complicated situation and our solution to it is also somewhat complicated and not what is, quote, perfect or normal, but it works for us and that's what's important. Right, well, and she even says so for now. I appreciated now, that. Like, yeah, says, yeah, yeah. Like, they don't know if this is going to work in the long term. Yeah. But that the move to Atlanta was too soon. Mm-hmm. And that, with honestly, yeah, she needed to work some shit out. Yeah. Um, the move to Atlanta was too soon. She doesn't like Atlanta. She's starting to find more gigs there, but it's not, it's not her home. It's right, not her home base. Right, right, right. Even though she could have reached Again, out to people Again, also, more. yeah, she didn't even try. Yeah. So for me, this book was a roller coaster in that for a lot of it, I just didn't care. And then all of a sudden, I cared very much about what happened with Ellen and Leo. And then there's the bit where Suzanne's like, in my mind, no, stay with Andy. Uh. And I'm like, oh, fuck, really? But then they have the compromise of like splitting their time so that she has a place to like still have her career and follow her passion. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. I think, uh, despite our disagreement on that one part of the book, I think it is an interesting character arc in that, like, here she is always trying to mold herself to another person. Mm-hmm. And then she finally finds something that is just hers. And she's like, no, I'm Manhattan. I'm a photographer in Manhattan. Right. This is the truth. Right. There was one... And it's, like, and as we talk about... I, I apologize for interrupting. No, go ahead. And as we, like come through her progression of finding herself as a photographer it is completely organically hers yes like she becomes a photographer all on her own it is not attached to any of these other people in her life that's right and and she grows that on her own too and i think yeah, that's yeah, yeah. really she put special. herself through like photography school yeah. and yeah 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 and i and and i think like and that was a really lovely part of the book yeah one thing that I really didn't like was, um, so part of her profession is she shares a studio space with these other artists. I think most of them are photographers. There's like a printmaker. A printmaker and something else. Um, and one of them is gay. And she's like, oh, look, it's that gay guy I know. Yeah. And then later, when she's in Atlanta, Margot's husband makes some comment about gay people. And then Ellen in her head was like, well, the difference between he and I is that he probably doesn't have any gay friends. I'm like, oh, so that one gay guy you showed us in passing that one time? Look how progressive you are, Ellen. Good for you. Yeah. Not that you're going to say anything to this dude. Right. Also, like, uh, these books, like, the, the straight books entirely often have the the queer the queer token friend who comes in not even often if there is a queer person they are the queer token friend but it's very rare that that happens yeah and it's and they're not people it's just like here's a queer person okay we're putting them away so that we can worry about what's important and they come in and uh they swish a little bit and then they leave and then they leave (sighs) so Um, that was but overall yeah one thing i did want to say yeah um as this bothered me so much during the book. Please. So the person she goes to take photos of, uh, this uh-huh. famous singer, his what? name is Drake. It's not Drake, because this came out, what, like 10 years ago, yeah. 20 years ago or something. Like, this is not Drake. But they call him Drake, and I just I just kept imagining Drake. <laughs> like, the whole well, time, I was had, like, and it's Drake. Because <laughs> he had a, la- a last name, too. Yeah, but it was, and like, it was obvious that it was, like, Drake. It was, like, alt-rock in the 80s or something. Yeah, but, yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, Drake. Like, 
but it's Drake, so that's all I was yeah. like. And the part of me was like, I wish it was Drake. I wish, <laughs> I wish it were you. Anyway. But overall, overall, the fact that I completely changed my opinion about the main character, like, towards the end of the book. Like, when she had that blow-up with Margot's friend, mm-hmm. where she brought wine to a dinner party that Margot was having, and just, like, brought some... Apparently, they have wine in Pittsburgh. <laughs> like, this was, like... I could not... I, I was laughing at the scene so hard. <laughs> what? Okay, so Ellen shows up to this she dinner party. She brings cheap wine from Pennsylvania. Pittsburgh? From Pittsburgh. Is there wine in Pittsburgh? It doesn't I don't matter. Know. Her father had given it to her 10 years ago. Oh, God. And I was like, don't bring that wine. Don't bring... No. It, like, and everybody was like, Pittsburgh wine? Who ever heard of that? Who ever heard of that? And, oh. so, and then, like, the friend... I don't know, like... Mabel, whatever the fuck her name was, sips it and she's like, oh, it tastes like arse. And, and, and it the, probably did. And honestly. it probably like, did. A big part of me is like, it probably is gross. But then Ellen was like, well, like, she says something that alludes to the fact that she's from Pittsburgh, but Mabel and her husband don't care about Ellen and don't realize that she's from Pittsburgh. And then she kind of says, she's like, I brought that wine. It's from where I'm from. And they're like, Oh, well, uh, uh, and they're like, oh, they were just joshing. I'm like, also, they're drinking wine that a friend of theirs has given to them after inviting them over, and they're being bitches about it. Yeah, I'm I like, know. how did Margo not call her out on her shit? Yeah. Ugh. No. Anyway. It, I hated, I, I'm sure Atlanta's lovely, but this book made me hate rich white people in Atlanta. Well, I think I already don't, like rich white people in Atlanta. Sorry if they're <laughs> listeners. I'm sure you're fabulous. Please give us money. Um, <laughs> but also, I mean, come on. You're right. Go out to the community. Atlanta's huge. Do, I know. She would just like stay in the house all day. Yeah. It's like, girl. Just, you have a car. You have you and, you have like three cars. And truly, she kept talking about like, it. She's like, oh, I'm just so bored of taking pictures of just like children playing. I'm like, Atlanta's huge. God. There's so much to take pictures of. Whatever. But it, it was in Manhattan and she was in a situation that she didn't want to be in and didn't tell anyone that she didn't want to be there until it was too late. So yeah. she was just being strumpy about it. She was. But anyway. Anyway, that was that book. That was that book. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so we're going to get to the next book. But first, we're going to talk about a network of podcasts that we enjoy. Yes, our friends have a network of podcasts called Let Me Listen Podcasts, and we think they're great and funny. You'll find such wonderful uh, comedy podcasts on them as a Narrative Comedy Brawl, Let Me Finish, and Ooh. yes, Classic Comedy Review Show, Late Seating. <sighs> Um, also, I highly recommend a podcast I took part in one time. That Bragging was super fun. much? Fact. Um, it's an improvisational horror comedy serial, American Monsters, and How to Destroy Them. Oh, that's an important life lessons. Fact. So where can we find all of these wonderful podcasts? Well, you can find them in all the usual places. iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud. You can also go to their website, lemmelistenpodcast.com. Great. Let's do it right now. No, first we're going to talk about the other book. And then go go find their podcast. These are the things we're doing. Yeah. Matteo Borden was 20 when he came out to his parents, and the last thing he expected was to be disowned. But from that moment on, his parents wanted nothing to do with him. 
At a time in his life when he felt alone, angry, and confused, Matteo found an unexpected ally in Liam Robertson, a family friend and third-year law student engaged to be married. They became best friends, brothers, and were inseparable until their lives took different paths. New York City called Liam with a job offer at a prominent law firm while Matteo, fresh out of university, devoted himself to his dream of becoming a writer. Now, Matteo has come of age. He's 29 and a rock star in the literary scene with his books selling by the millions. He's built a home with Simon Dunon, the political science professor who swept him off his feet five years ago. He's living the life he's always imagined. Meanwhile, Liam has quietly returned home to support his mother, Susan, who's in remission from breast cancer, and to divest of an ambiguous obsession that has nearly destroyed him. So that is... That was The Flowers Need Watering by Marcus Lopez. Yeah. And, and that's what it says it is. That, that's about... That's, that's what happens. I mean, not in that linear way. <laughs> that's so easy to digest and take in. Yeah. Um, uh, these two books that we read were so similar to each other. They were. It's like I couldn't have tried harder to me. I'm like, uh, uh, Mateo has also not seen Liam for eight years. Mm-hmm. The same amount of time. Uh, they are, uh, like, there is so much family stuff going on mm-hmm. uh, that Mateo uh, has, like, sort of taken on, like, and adopted... Uh, Simon, his husband's family, is his mm-hmm. own because he's rejected his other family. Yeah. Um, there's also the death of a parent. Yeah. One of Mateo's father dies in the mm-hmm. course of this book. Um, and then Liam is also uh, an interesting fella for a little bit until he's not. <laughs> he's interesting for like a page. Like a half a page of yeah. that. Like, um... and then that's where the difficulties come with this book. Most of the characters are impossible to like. They're crazy like it's just pants. like from top to bottom, it was very difficult to gravitate or grab onto any one of these characters. So we have Mateo, uh-huh. who has divorced himself from his family. Yeah, and he has six different names. Yeah, it's like Mateo because uh, his birth name is uh, Mathis. 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 Uh, his uh, his family nickname was Mate. Uh huh. Uh, he goes by Mateo. So yeah. every time he burns bridges with someone, he, like, picks a new name. But his sister Melinda has known him all this time and, like, calls him by these different names. And he's always like, don't call me that. Yeah, just no, to bug him. my name is Mateo. Melinda's like, this will bug him. I'll call him this name I today. I can't stand Melinda. Ugh, no. Like, honestly, Ugh. I had a really hard time liking any of these characters. And I'm just going to have to say. There were two that I liked. Oh, good. I look forward to finding which out those were. <laughs> um, so, so Mateo, yes. Uh, he divorced himself from his family, mm-hmm. uh, but did not leave his hometown. So he's still amongst them. He's become mm-hmm. this uber-famous writer, mm-hmm. um, but has decided I to stay in his hometown. It's not... He's not uber-famous. He's like... Past up and coming, but he's not like... Oh, no, he's recognized when he goes places. Right, but he's not like Stephen King. Like, he's not internationally recognized. But I, I think, like, would not be able to recognize most authors. I think within his genre, he's very well known. What is his genre? I don't know. Right, yeah, it me neither. Say. Yeah, no, I don't know either. But 
most excitingly, this takes place in Halifax. It does. So we're in Canada. I know. Yay. I'm so excited. Which is which is also fun because Simon is uh, he's. Uh, Quebec. He's, He's Quebecois. Quebecois, so French speaking. His and his parents were really upset at him when he decided to learn English, and yeah. really upset when he moved to an English speaking city. Yeah, and he was like, oh, Simon, we hate you for that. But he's like, whatever. So that was like his story. He's like, no, I get it, Mateo. My parents are also upset at me. And Mateo's like, what? No, I. They were upset at me because I was gay. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, My very religious family, very religious, said terrible things to me when I came out. Yep. And Simon's like, "Oh, I had to learn English." <laughs> uh. Anyway, I mean, that's actually not in the book completely, but anyway. That's, that's um, fine. So, to say that Matteo is a tortured artist God. is probably an understatement. Uh, but also, everything in this book happens strangely. Yeah. So Mateo gets a, gets a call late at night uh, from his brother say, or his sister. I don't remember. Saying, it was one of his brothers. Yeah. Saying, he, he was the youngest or second youngest of like five yeah, kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So and saying he, that, he only keeps in touch with his sister, Melinda. Right. Um, who's also sort of a black sheep, but also like because she's she hasn't rejected her family, still part of the family. Yeah. Um, and a black sheep because she got pregnant before she was married, but she did marry the guy who got mm-hmm. her pregnant. I think. Yes. Maybe some of the yeah, yeah, anyway. Yeah. No, it was him, Zane. Right. He's one of the people that I like. Zane was great. Zane is great. Because he was sane. He yes. And he made yes. sane choices. Yes. Every time Melinda was like, she schemed the whole book, and the he's whole like, book. "Don't do that," and she's like, "Shut the fuck up! I know what I'm talking about." But she doesn't. She doesn't. So. Here's so Mateo gets this call. Your uh, hey, our dad is in the hospital, and Mateo's like, "Okay, why are you uh, okay? Sad, I guess." He's um, not my father. He's not my father. I don't some shit like that. Yeah, he's like immediately pissed off about this, and Simon's like, <clears throat> "You have to go see your dad," and he's like, "Why?" And Simon's out of town at this point too. Right, and and then and he he does like, and then Liam comes into town. And it's sort of like that other book we read, um, and then I and then I knew you loved me, and, and then, then you, you loved, loved me. me. Where, oh God, I had forgotten about that. Right, where like the former romance comes back to town, and everybody in the immediate town vicinity is like, "Oh, so and so's back, so and so's back, so and so's back. How's this gonna affect your relationship? So and so's back, so and so's back." Yeah, but it's it's more like, oh, Liam's back. He's gonna fuck everything up. Mateo, you're gonna fuck everything. Like, right away. Yeah. Everyone's like, this is the worst thing that could happen ever. Mateo is going to destroy his life for this guy. Right. And Which isn't what happened. There was no evidence that that was gonna happen no. at all. No, uh, and it doesn't. Everybody freaks out about this. Except for Zane. Except for Zane. I, I will, like, even Mateo's like, oh, Liam's back. That guy kind of broke my heart. Hmm. Hmm. I don't really have closure, but also I'm dealing with my dad dying. But also I don't so... want to feel feelings about my right. dad dying. So Cause... here's here's what, okay, here's what Simon should have done, who is Mateo's husband. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, Simon freaks out too. He freaks out He's bad. like, I don't know who this guy is. You never told me about him. It's going to destroy my family. In so many ways, the Ugh. main character, Mateo, is sort of like this angsty empty vessel 
Yeah. Where, like, he's upset about everything, mm-hmm. but never talks about his feelings. No. And doesn't actually... And, and when he's given the opportunity, rejects it. So everybody right. just has to guess what he's feeling. Because also... And they fill it in mm-hmm. with, like wrong facts yeah they're like oh you're sad that your dad is dying we should take you to the hospital no like honestly as a person as you know as like if you're not con- it, like they should what should have happened honestly simon should have taken mateo on a vacation somewhere right like just gotten him out of the country because his dad on the on his deathbed his dad was like i'm sorry you're you're an amazing person i'm so proud of you I kind of let your mother railroad me into, like, allowing you to annex yourself from my life. And I feel really bad about that. And I need you to help keep this family together. Because you're the only one who will, like, call everyone out on their bullshit. Mm -hmm. And then he dies. And then he dies. And then we find out later that his father was, like... On the board of supervisors? Whatever whatever the Halifax equivalent of. So he's, like, a a prominent... Politician that politician, everybody loved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That every, who, like, did a lot of stuff for the city. So, Mateo's famous. His dad is famous. And it's like, oh, all eyes are on us. So, to your, to your earlier point about, like, people filling Mateo with their feelings, there were so many times that everyone's, like, t- saying to someone else, you need to, like, corner him and force him to talk to you about it. People did this, like, three or four times. After the first time, what he does, he shuts down and walks away. Yeah. And then everyone's like, no, you have to do this. And I was like, no, that's a bad idea. That's the worst way to communicate to Mateo. Like, don't corner him. But everybody keeps doing it and keeps getting surprised when he's like, I don't have to deal with this and walks away. Right. Like, and which honestly, like, even though I didn't like Mateo, because, Ugh. because Simon comes up and is like, oh, so your dad is dying. How do you feel about that? And Mateo's like, I don't want to talk about it right now. And I'm like, no, Mateo, kind of, right now is the time. And this is the only person you should talk to about it. Right. So maybe like, but don't freak out. It was also like the next day. Yeah. And Simon was like, how do you feel? How do you think he feels? And Mateo's like, I don't want to talk about it right now. And I think that's fair. I also think it's fair. But then that Simon's he's... like, "No, you need to tell me right now." Yeah. And then it just became this uh, whole thing. And then also, everyone was drinking this whole book. So Every much. single scene, like, they, they were drinking wine or scotch. It was insane all day long. Uh, and then, oh, so this book takes place over a week and a couple days. Yeah. I think. So that's right. Each each chapter was like Monday, Tuesday. I'm like, how long is this going to go on? Oh, God. <laughs> I, so, okay, so for context, the entire book, here's what happens. Eh, really, matter. really quick. Uh, the inciting incident being Mateo's father is dying. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody wants everybody wants something from Mateo that he's not willing to give, whether right. that's emotions or whether that's information. Or like giving a eulogy at the or, funeral right. or something. Right, or just giving like uh, closure in Liam's case. Yeah. So everybody, wa- crazy. everybody wants something from Mateo that he's not willing to give, and mm-hmm. they don't actually ask permission. They just demand it of him. Yeah. Um, Leo, uh, Liam... Also an L name. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Liam comes back into town and he's just having a fucking midlife crisis. Uh, he's quit his great lawyer's job. Mm-hmm. Lawyer's job. Because I don't know what the fuck he did. Uh, <laughs> he quit a job where he was a... In New York. Where he was a top level attorney in New York. He's come back to take care of his mother. I'm doing air quotes right now because he's just just as moody as Mateo is. Right. And like moons around. And even his mom is like, 
I'm fine. What the fuck are you doing here? Right, no, but, but even his mom was like, she's going to ruin Mateo, or he's going to ruin Mateo's life. Right, and everybody feels this way. And Melinda like, and, there is and the no mom were like... context for this I know, ruining. it was crazy. Like, what is, what is going to be ruined? Like, as far as I can tell, Mateo is dedicated to Simon. Yes! And not only that, like, Mateo is kind of the one that broke up with Liam. Because Liam is like, I want you to move to New York with me. And Mateo's like, no. <laughs> and and Liam was engaged to this woman. Right. But he was like, well, and come to New York with me. And Mateo's like, um, I don't know. And Liam's like, no, I'm leaving. I need an answer from you right now. And Mateo's like, I don't. I can't I'm, give an answer now. I'm not, and then Liam's like, okay, bye. And then never talk to him again. And then never talk to him again. Well, and so whatever Ugh. Liam's going through, I can't, like, one of the things I was worried about, and I don't know if this is true or if this is something that comes out like that Liam seemed like he was bisexual that he wasn't gay or maybe he was closeted and so he kept having sex with women even though he was gay I'm not sure I think that's what I was implying right but it also felt like he was possibly bi yeah but then what what the problem with that was like that was one of the worst parts of Liam was that oh like he just lies to people and it was like oh this is I don't know what's happening. But again, like, there was no context for why Liam is a terrible person. The only thing we get, and this, and like, most of this book felt like it was a narrative that was striving towards some sort of poetic realism. Where we want to, like, this is, this wanted, this book wanted to be literature with a capital L. Mm -hmm. And the most of the book, I felt like it wasn't getting there, but it was striving to it in a way that I felt like... I felt like it was going to earn something. I didn't. But then it suddenly burst into really dumb soap opera. Yes. And I felt like, oh, this writer didn't even have a, a outline. Plan. No. Like there was no like he was just like, oh, you know, like somebody read an early draft of this and was like, you're not giving me any reason why Liam's bad. You just keep saying it. I don't know. And so he's like, I know what I'll do. He had a baby with a woman. A secret baby. A secret baby that Ugh. nobody knows about. That's what will make Liam bad. Yeah. And then, but then we don't want to make Mateo bad because now we want Mateo to be good. So, uh, Mateo's like, so somebody's like, I have to tell Mateo. And they're like, Liam had a secret baby. You they know? keep calling him a fraud. He's a fraud because yeah. he had this baby. Right. He abandoned this baby. And Zane confronts him about it because Zane and Liam are friends, which is how um, Mateo and Liam met. And Liam was like, no, we, she, she got pregnant just before we divorced. She told me and said, I don't need you to be part of this kid's life. Yeah. And he was like, great. I, 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 I'm going to like... I respect that. This is a lot for me to process, but I'm going to respect your decision. Right, and the one person... And then Zane's like... the So, something that I find interesting is in this book, whenever somebody is confronting someone else about something, the person being confronted is very sensible and saying, like, these are why I'm making my choices. And the person confronting them sounds like a crazy person. But who those people are changes all the time. So, like, when someone is... Confronting someone else and Zane is very sensible and it's like, no, guys, this is what's going on. And then as soon as Zane is confronting Liam, he sounds like a crazy person. He does. And like, it's and so cra- finally it's somebody's nuts. like, I guess I have to tell Mateo, which is the weirdest thing because Mateo's like, 
I don't care what's happening with Liam. I already knew about the baby. Book. And then when they tell me, I already knew. And they're like, oh, why do you And then why do you like Liam then? He's like, I don't. I don't. Why is what nobody is... listening to me when I keep Guys? Saying, I'm sad. I don't want to be I don't want to go to the funeral. I don't think I should have to. I don't want to ever talk to my mom again who rejects me as a human being and I don't care about Liam. <laughs> and they're but like, then... but Mateo, tell us how you really feel. And he's oh, like, no, this you. is it. He's like, I have a complicated relationship with my dead dad. And they're like, no, but this is family. And he's like, guys, I just need to, like, have a hot second to process what's going on. Mateo, you're ruining your life. It was and then, not so. And then the mom shows up and is like, the kid needs a blood cell transplant or some shit like leukemia. that. Bone marrow. Like, yeah. The kid has leukemia uh, and she needs... It was insane. Yeah, she needs Liam to donate blood. And now he's kind of... This is where Liam... The only time Liam is truly a bad person. Because Liam's like, I don't know if I will. <laughs> but he does. But he does at the end. <laughs> like, so it's like, what the... Like, and so... He, the, the other super dramatic, unnecessary, weird soap opera point Ugh. is when we... Simon, the husband of our main character. Simon, who has been supportive slash too pushy the whole book. Like, he's he seems to be... You know, he's this great guy. Love interest. Does the best he can. Come to find out, he's been having an affair with this redhead guy named Kevin from the bar. Yes! Yes! So, the whole time, Simon is like, Mateo, you're having an affair with Liam. You're gonna have an affair with Liam. Mateo's like... What the fuck are you talking about? Turns out Simon's been having the affair all along. And it's like an on and off again thing. Right. I think it's it's mostly when Mateo's out of town. Yeah, yeah, it just has sex. But still. But and so it's and just then, like, like Simon. He like comes up to Mateo on. and he's like, I have to tell you that I've been having this affair. It's and Mateo's like, Yeah, I knew. I mean, I was going to forgive you, but yeah. then you went and did it again? Yeah. What is wrong with you, bro? Right. And then when Mateo and Liam finally get to get, like, meet to talk, they meet at some restaurant, and Liam's like, I'm still in love with you. And Mateo's like, you're an asshole, and I'm going through a lot, and I don't want to deal with this. Just yeah. like, I like, it turns out the whole time Mateo was not interested in having an affair with Liam, at but that's all. what everyone thought was happening. It was insane. And, like one of the one of the worst oh. parts, like so, like he's standing there, like in his own entry doorway. Liam has come over and surprised him, and is like, "I need closure. I need something to happen." And he just sort of like forces a kiss on him, and Mateo's like, oh, "I just." don't want to fight this because I'm going through so much right now. Ugh. And he just sort of lets the kiss happen. And then like, he's like, no, I actually don't want this. And they kind of struggle and like fall to the floor. And Mateo's like, get the fuck out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like this whole, like, and like at the Guy, end. like what the fuck is wrong like, with you? Mateo and Simon have their big fight. Mateo's Ugh. like, I just need to get away for a while. And Simon's like, where are you going? And for how long? Mateo's like, you don't deserve to know. Yeah, Mateo's <laughs> like, I'm not telling you. I'm just going to go. And like, See ya. I don't like Mateo. I don't like Mateo. I don't like Mateo. But honestly, he's right. He is. People are demanding too much of him at a very weird time. Out of nowhere. Back the fuck They're just off. making these weird assumptions. And the other thing, so they keep thinking that he's going to get back together with Liam and ruin his life, whatever that means. And then they... Even though Simon's already been unfaithful. Right. 
Which also, again, came out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. Um, to- also, there was one point where the guy Simon was having an affair with Kevin was like, oh, so you're just going to show up again in three years when it's convenient for you to have sex? Fuck off, guy. I'm like, good for you, Kevin. Yeah, yeah, good yeah. Kevin you. was correct. Um, Kevin was correct. Uh, and then there's Melinda, who is continually trying to force Mateo to have a relationship with the rest of his family. She's such a busybody and, and, and so it's manipulative. Like so imperative to her. And Mateo very correctly says several times, I don't care what my father's final wishes were. I didn't feel like he was my father. He's never reached out to me. It is not my responsibility. I don't like I don't have to do this. He's dead. And, and, the, and everybody being like, no, you have to, you have to, you have to make the first moves. You have to make the first moves. And this, and him saying, no, I don't. And then on top of that too, like, I'm basically estranged from my mother and my other siblings who reject me because I'm gay. It's not my responsibility to try and patch up that relationship. This is correct. Ugh. Uh, to that effect, he does actually give against his will, a good faith effort mm-hmm. to try and patch that up. And it blows up in his mm-hmm. face. And uh, Melinda barely takes the lesson from that. She needs to just sit down. Yeah. Like her husband finally is like, okay, are we done now? <laughs> calm down. Ugh. So, and then in the end, uh, Mateo and Simon break up. For a little bit, and then Mateo comes back. Yeah, and the book, and they just sort, and it literally restarts. Yeah, he just Oof. goes back to bed, and wakes up the next day having a little bit of a panic attack. Yeah, just like he did at the top of the book. Um, <sighs> I have to say, I don't know why this book. <laughs> like, I feel like. The writer wrote some beautiful passages that were interesting. That has he has a good grasp on like uh, the poetic nature of like a narrative, and I thought there was a lot of good things there. And like if I had been coming at this book from a recommendation that was not had nothing to do with romance, I might have seen it differently. I I'm going to give it fair that nothing, but happens, I'm also going to have really. to say I still I'm going to feel the same way about Mateo, and I hate these character these kind of characters, and. I will say the one best thing about Mateo is he did seem like that asshole dude book writer who is standoffish and thinks that's the best thing about him. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But other than that, like, I don't know why this book. I don't know what lessons I was supposed to take from it. I don't know what I don't I didn't feel like any of the characters grew or changed. Mm -mm. I don't feel except for Liam. And even, no, even he. He, he just he, got he, sadder. He was just as fucked up as when he mm. when he entered the book. I so I I didn't feel like the characters were saying true things. <laughs> I didn't feel like they were lying, but I just felt like I didn't know and I didn't understand what their own internal struggles were. And I felt like this character that I hated, Mateo, was also correct. Leave him yes. alone. Yeah. Like everyone grieves differently. And his relationship with his father was very complicated. Let him have space to deal with that instead of just like 
pouring six glasses of wine and cornering him in the kitchen for the twelfth time and being surprised why for the twelfth time he downs his wine and storms out of the house. Good lord. I, I feel like we could have had a, and this is rewriting other people's work and it's not fair, but I feel like we could have had a very interesting book where Mateo's father dies, he kind of freaks out a little bit and sh- starts shutting down. Simon is like, we need to get the fuck out of here. Mm-hmm. They go to Paris and they have a moody two-person narrative where they work through their personal shit together. Mm-hmm. Like Simon's uh, Simon's insecurities uh, about this relationship. His with infidelity. And infidelity. Uh, Matteo's worries about his own family and his own ability to keep writing. Like... Uh, all of these things, like all the stuff with Liam even could have come out, like feeling like there was something that he could have done, but he was abandoned and he'll always be abandoned. Like a really, really too interesting two-person narrative yeah. that we abandoned for the sake of this clusterfuck. Mm. Can I bring up Aunt Deidre? Oh yeah, she was she great. She was great. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about yes. him. So we get a flashback to when Mateo was young. Like it says on the book cover, I think he was 20 when he came out to his parents. And it was this situation. They were like sitting at the dinner table and basically his mom, Doris? Yeah. Was like, oh, gay people are crazy. And like, I'm so glad I don't have to deal with them. Like that kind of shit. Or they were talking about someone that they knew and they're like, oh... It might have been Liam. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I think they were inferring that Liam might be. Yeah, there. they're like, oh, th- you know, like, bad influence, blah, blah, blah. And, like, Mateo was, like, st- and and it was obvious that the family dynamic is what Doris said went, and you couldn't say anything against it. So Mateo started fighting back a little bit, and then we see at the table, like, Aunt Deidre's, like, goading him on, and there's one point where she says something and winks at him, and he's like, oh, my God, she knows I'm gay. <laughs> Oh, my God. And then when he was, like, arguing back against his mom, he ends up coming out in, like, a moment of passion and is saying all these things. And Deidre's just like, yes, yes, sing it, yes. And then later she shows up again with the rest of the family. And she's like, oh, my God, Mateo, where have you been? I love all your books. I'm still awesome. Booly boo boo boo. She was the best. Why do we get this character for only five seconds? Right? Like- Zane and Aunt Deidre were... Great. Yeah. And I'm like, these are the only two people in this whole book that I care about. Because even Liam's mom, um, uh, Sandy, that wasn't No. <laughs> um, Sephora. Something. Smash Mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Liam's mom, Smash Mouth, <laughs> like, tracks down Melinda and is like, Liam's a crazy person and he's gonna, like, hunt down Mateo and wear his skin. <laughs> That's not what she actually said, but she was like, she finds Melinda and is like, Liam is obsessed with Mateo. So like, Melinda you know, and Smash Mouth talk about Mateo right? so much. He comes home and she's like, "Why are you home?" And he's like, "I don't know." And she's like, "You're you're still in love with him, aren't you?" And it's like, "No, I mean maybe I don't know. I don't know what I'm feeling." And she's like, "You're gonna ruin those poor people's life." So, but like, Smash Mouth and Melinda are plotting the whole time. I'm just like, we need to keep them away from each other. And then they, like, tattle to each other. She's like, oh, my God, Liam texted Mateo. Like, Smash Mouth is like, my son texted Mateo. And Melinda's like, Smash Mouth, what are you saying to me? I don't remember her name. Her name needs to be Smash Mouth. It would have made her more interesting. Her name is Smash Mouth. Honestly, if I could get a 
romance novel where everybody's names are bands from the late 90s, early 2000s. I would be happy. Smash Mouth and Maxbox Max. Matchbox 20 are wildly in love. Yes, but Smash Mouth's having an affair with Harvey Danger. Oh, no, and Sublime <laughs> is there, too. Anyway, and that was that book. Yeah, it was. Anything else that you wanted to say? I don't have say? anything else. Okay. Let's fucking marry kill people. Yeah, do it. Tell me. Do you want to go first? No, you go first. Okay. Claire. Yes. Fuck, marry, kill. Uh-huh. Atlanta. Uh-huh. New York. Uh-huh. Or Halifax. Ooh. Oh, oh man. Oh, well, this depiction of Atlanta needs to die. Yes. So, I don't actually want to kill Atlanta, but I'm going to kill this Atlanta. Ellen's Atlanta. Ellen's Atlanta needs yeah. to die. Um, Honestly, I really like Halifax. Like, for all of the bigotry that is evidently present among one family... They all kind of come together for his father's funeral. There seems yeah. to be a lot of people there. Yeah. Um, it also seems pleasant. There's lots of nice houses. Yeah. Like, the architecture seemed great. Yeah, they have indie bookstores. Indie bookstores. Like, that's where, like, a writer was born and thrived. Mm-hmm. So that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, Manhattan is Manhattan. Right. So I think I'm going to fuck Halifax and marry Manhattan. Okay. But it's not just Manhattan, because Leo lived in Queens, didn't he? Oh, yeah. No, I'll take the whole area. All of it. All five boroughs? Okay. Okay. Um, I'm also going to kill Atlanta. I'm going to fuck New York, only because I'm not allergic to penicillin. And then I'm going to marry Halifax. Oh, that sounds nice. Yeah. Cool. I'll just get lots of poutine. (laughs) Poutine. Poutine. That'll be great. All right, um, <clears throat> so, <clears throat> fuck, Mary kill. Yales. Liam. Uh-huh. Leo. Uh-huh. Kevin. <laughs> it's all the others. All the others. <laughs> Jeez. Okay, I'm going to kill Liam. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. I'm going to kill Liam. Um, I kind of liked Leo, but I don't think I'm going to marry him. Because, one, he doesn't believe in marriage, apparently. And I don't want to, like, put up with his moodiness. Ugh. So I'm gonna... I'll fuck him. Oh, yeah. Because apparently the sex was really good. Yeah, it did seem that way. Yeah. Um, and then I guess I'll marry Kevin. I'm completely on board. Even though we don't know a whole lot about him. Except that he is, like... Oh, so we fuck, and then I don't hear from you, and then you just show up three years later and expect to fuck again because it's convenient for you? I have better things to do with my time. Thanks. Yeah. I'm like, I, okay, he does, he's, a, like, he's an emotionally mature person. He does even start to admit, like, the reason I keep doing this is because I think I like you, Simon. Like, yeah. I think he starts to say the L word. They, and then he's like, no, I'm not going to do it. Because they knew each other from, like, law school or something, oh, didn't they? Oh, who the hell knows? <laughs> he was a redhead from the bar. <laughs> okay, but I think they knew each other previously. Yeah, I think so. yeah, 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 yeah. So I he's not so. just, like, a rando. But, okay. I mean, like... A redheaded Canadian doesn't sound so bad. No, I'm on board. So I'll get to end up in the city that I'm going to marry. So it all works out. Oh, that's cute yeah. as hell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and the books? Um, I'm going to kill the flowers need watering. Also, they don't talk about flowers once. No, no. It's, it, it's, it's like a, a very, very grasping metaphor. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ugh, fine. Um, and I think I'm gonna fuck uh, Love the One You're With only because it 
actually like completely changed my opinion about the main character and the affair. Mm-hmm. And you know, it takes some skill to do that. So, and Suzanne is amazing. Oh, also, yeah. I'm going to rescue Zane and Aunt Deidre from the flowers need watering before I kill it. <laughs> they're great. I'm just going to throw them into New York. They'll do fine there. That sounds fine. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to kill the flowers need watering. There's a big part of me that, like, I don't know, like, it's on, like, I want this writer to do to do more. I want it to mm-hmm. be more focused. Like, the yeah. next one, I want to be more focused. I felt like there was potential. It just wasn't expressed here. And it just, like, got way out of control. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to kill it. And I think... Because that's what you got to do? I'm also going to fuck love the one you're with because I did genuinely enjoy reading the book at times. I was still upset about all of the flashbacks. I didn't feel like it was properly set up for me to expect that. Right. The first, like, third of the book was almost nothing but flashbacks. Right. Well, and it's like every time we we started one, we were already expecting something big to happen where she was. She was was sitting at the diner waiting for Leo to show up and then we get, like, two flashbacks. And we would just take, like like a long time to read and I'm like but what happens when Leo shows up I, like I almost wish we was just like a different point anyway it was fine but yeah. I know I also enjoyed the character arc and I thought uh, the relationships were interesting and that was cool and I really liked the problems with between Atlanta and New York if only because she's discovering who she is as a person mm-hmm. and I thought that was cool yeah um, and the characters um okay out of everyone i would fuck suzanne because mm-hmm. she was great she was great um and i feel like i would i would i would want to i don't want to say orchestrate it but i want to figure it out so that we could fuck and then just like be friends after <laughs> and just like keep in touch yeah and she can be like oh my god my deadbeat boyfriend and i'm like if it works for you girl but you deserve better yeah and she was great. I loved her. Um, I would marry Zane because mm-hmm. he was great. He was also uh, very tall. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. He was super tall, and for he did have a couple moments where he was sort of a crazy person. But for the most part, he was like, guys, like everyone around me, just like calm down for half a second yeah. and just like think about what's going on and how other people might be feeling. Maybe no, we're just gonna. Okay, sure, whatever. I'm just going to drink more wine and scotch like everyone else. <laughs> Got so much booze so they drank. Much booze it was that. insane. Anyway, um, and then I'm going to uh, kill Margot and Melinda. <laughs> I'm going to lure them somewhere with something super basic and then just kill both of them. <laughs> I'll be like, Tiffany Sale in this apartment and then kill both of them. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. Uh, yeah, I think... Um... I think part of me wants to, oh, this is going to sound so strange, but I think I kind of want to marry Ellen. Oh. But now that she's, like, figured out who she is. Oh, and like, okay. Like, I kind of like her lifestyle. That, like, she's like, no, I'm a photographer in New York, and I split my time, and, like, this is what I like and love. And that she's got a genuine artistic eye, and she's okay. starting to figure herself out. Like, okay. honestly, like, I think I like her. Now that she's gone <laughs> now through that all she's of this, had character development, right? Unlike I will who? marry her now. Okay, not the one before. <laughs> now, sure. Um, 
and I think, uh, um, and I think, uh, I don't know. I kind of want to just kill Liam. That's and fair. I'll tell you the truth. Like he was, he was the worst. Not for any of the reasons anybody said. He was just this mopey asshole. <laughs> With, like, no motivation. Uh, Didn't give yeah. a shit about other people's feelings. Yeah. Like, he's like, I know your dad just died, but I need to tell you my personal feelings about my love struggles. Right. And I was like, no. Can I talk to you about how my dream life in New York wasn't what I thought it would be, and now I don't know what to do with myself? You're not busy, right, Mateo? <laughs> you don't have anything else? Also, I'm still in love with you. It's so important that we talk about this. Oh, you could Also, I have a secret child and my mother's dying of cancer. But whatevs. But whatevs. Well, his mom's in remission. It's true, but still. Uh, also, been... I have a secret child that's not a secret because Mateo knows about it somehow. Yeah, but I would kill him. Uh, sure. And I think that would also solve problems. It... <laughs> <laughs> so I would... Everyone would just be like... <sighs> okay, now we can go back to freaking about something else. Yeah. Um, Where's the wine? And I think I would, um, yeah, I'd fuck Suzanne. Yeah? I think it'd be a good time. She's the best. She's she's super fun. I could, also, also, I could understand marrying her, but honestly, like, yeah, she's yeah. a, you know, she's an airline flight attendant. I think yeah. she's got other things going on in her life. She's, I think she also she's doesn't so... want that kind of commitment, <clears throat> and that's fine. I'm not going to tie her down. Yeah, the whole time, Ellen's like, my sister just can't get her shit together. And it's like, no, Suzanne wants different things out of life than you do. Yeah. And, like, you need to be okay with it. Like, there are times that Ellen judges Suzanne for her life yeah. choices. And it's like, just because she's not married, just because she didn't marry into money and is, like, living it up in New York with your one gay acquaintance doesn't mean she's... Or go to college at a fancy college right. or doesn't mean she's not doing what she wants to be doing. And yeah, Suzanne kvetches about her life a lot, but... She also chose her choices. She made her choices, and she would make different choices if she wanted to. Also, Suzanne is very, um, uh, she's, like, kind of an activist. Mm -hmm. She has a, and Ellen's like, I've always been jealous of my sister's activism. Yep. Well, do something. Yeah. You're sitting around all day in Atlanta. You have time to, like, raise money for some charity. It would be a rich white lady. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. Well, so. There we go. What's happening next week? Next week. Not next week. Next, next time. podcast. Next, next time. Episode. Next download. Okay. I'm going to. If you're binging, it's just in the next second. In the next second. In the next five minutes. Let's see if you can determine the theme. Okay. Okay. I'm ready. So, Colton, colon, Wild Men Book One by Melissa Bell. Okay. And. Illegal Contact, colon, The Baron's Book One by Santino Hassel. Is it horses? It, it's not horses. <laughs> no. Is it the bat? Is Oh, 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 is it thieves? No, no. Oh, no. Okay. Was, why would you think? I see, no. Old timey, okay. like, you know, thieves, like in Sherwood Forest. Oh, that would... We should do that. Who <laughs> no, I don't know. What is the theme? Professional football players. <laughs> oh, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> There's going to be lots of abs talk. A, a lot of abs talk. Ooh. A lot of tight end talk. Oh, God. We're going to hear tight end so many times. <laughs> 
Christine's grabbing some bums in the air. It happens. It happens. Is there locker room sex? I don't know. Okay, I guess we'll find out. I sure as hell hope so. Oh, okay. So that's what we're doing next time. All right. Well, cool. Yeah. Well, I guess we should thank everybody. I guess. Yeah. No. Thank you, authors. Thank you, authors. Thank you very much. We. Um, I'm very happy that we get the opportunity to read these things. Yeah. And thank you to Christine. Thank you, Christine. Uh, who's forever doing these wonderful things with us. Yeah. Thank you, listeners. Thank you so much, listeners. Please, if you like what we do, um, like, follow, review, subscribe, tell your friends, get the word out. Yeah. Um, we're working on a web page if it isn't up already. Sure. Well, who knows? Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> I don't know. Follow us on Twitter. There's probably news on Twitter. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And yeah. thank you, Neil. Thank you, Claire. Are you going to cheat on your husband with me now? Yes. Great. We'll kiss and call it an affair. Look, I'm very conflicted. Ugh.